Welcome to Four Down Territory. As Stick and Mike take a look at the four biggest stories in Denver sports. Here's Slareth and Evans kicking it off with First Down. All right, good morning, everybody. Despite sitting four starters last night, the Nuggets still made a game of it on the road in Milwaukee, losing 107-99. Michael Malone, overall, pretty happy. Yeah, if you look at the numbers, they're not going to be like, oh, it was a great defensive night because they shot 47 from the field, 43 from three. But this team has been making 23s a game the last five. So to hold them to only 13 makes and 30 attempts, now that's a that's a really impressive number for us. We all understand that the reason that we've gone on the run that we've gone on, the defense and the three-point defense have been a huge part of that. And uh, that's going to have to continue with 11 games going into the All-Star break. Okay, good. Good happy talk there from uh, Michael Malone, spinning it. But uh, let's face it, the Nuggets went into this prepared to lose. It was a scheduled loss. Sure. Uh, because, Mark, have they become what we despise so much about today's NBA that we have mocked in the past with other teams and other players sure. becoming a load management team? Yeah, they're playing the game. The game is, hey, make sure you're fresh back-to-back nights. Make sure your starters are fresh because we know that in the end... Like, we're going to get some of those games back as well. And in the end of the day, we need to be fresh for the playoffs. We need to have our guys as we, you know, shrink our roster a little bit. And the guys who play come playoff time, like, we're loading up for a championship run. But so we're going to make sure. Okay, do you really, though, need to do this? Are your guys going to be significantly fresher if you decide on January 25th not to play Nikola Jokic against the Milwaukee Bucks. You get into the NBA playoffs, you don't play back-to-back nights. Usually there's two, three days in between games and extra timeouts during the course of the game. So does it really make that significant of a difference that it's worth how it disrupts the regular season? And that is... Hey, if I'm a fan, if I'm a ticket buyer, or if I'm sitting down to watch a game, I do so with the expectation I'm going to see the best players, and they're not there. Yeah, well, I'm I'm assuming that if everybody does it, there is at least some benefit or some perceived benefit of doing it. And maybe it's just a matter of you pick your matchup, you pick the ones that don't hurt as much, you know, the Eastern Conference, like Milwaukee, and... You make sure that you're there at full strength for the teams that you're going to play and you're going to face in the West and that you're fresher, you know, the next night. So, again, listen, man, you and I grew up in a time when they played pretty much like Michael Jordan was never taking a night off. It just wasn't going to happen. And it was a much more physical game. they didn't look tired. No, they They didn't look. The Celtics and Lakers were playing every year into June and. The Showtime Lakers are still sprinting up and down the court in mid June. I will. I will. They say, didn't look tired. I will. Well, because everybody, everybody did the same thing. So, and like we used to say it all the time, when a guy come back off of like IR and he gets reactivated and he comes out to practice, we're like, watch out, fresh legs. Like, and and you could see like the different level of uh, the different level of athleticism and uh, alacrity. The guy had like when he came off the injured list, like whew, he's he's moving a little hey, bit quicker than the rest. Of hey, come on, yeah. get back, get back to practice mode here. Yeah, exactly. Second down. Anderson flips it back to Brody. Got away. Nieto gets around Brody. Here's Nieto, short-handed, scores. 
So the Avalanche have brought back Matt Nieto, who was with the team for the better part of four seasons a few years ago. has been with San Jose the last few years. Made a trade yesterday. And is this is this a good trade? What does it signal? What does it signal that they're bringing in uh, another bottom six forward? Well, I think it's. I mean, I think it's depth. It's experience. It's a guy that you can count on down the stretch to make some big plays. You know, they bring him in from San Jose uh, to compete in Hoon and Hulai. So, <laughs> right? I see you. See what I, I see you. I see you. I see you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't see it coming, but I right. see you, okay. and I respect you. Thank you. No, it is a good. It is a good pickup. I. I don't think you can have enough of those kind of guys when you're thinking about the playoffs. And we just saw it. You saw it as an Avalanche fan last summer. Sure. You saw the contributions of a Andrew Cogliano and a Darren Helm. And, and these are guys that when you look at their stat lines during the season, you're like, oh, they, do they really bring much? Okay, maybe during the long haul of 82, no. But you get into the playoffs and you think about a a, a key check, uh, forcing a turnover, at center ice, uh, p- penalty kill, winning a faceoff, uh, setting a screen, all these little things that just become hugely magnified in the playoffs. And when you've got veterans who at this stage of their career, they're all about, hey, I'm fine with filling a role. I just want to be part of a winner. And here's, yeah. here's Nieto. He gets, he gets rescued from San Jose. Who's, or, I mean, they're a doormat. And now he gets a chance to go win in a cup. Yeah, which is great for him. And you know, it's it's one of those things. I was I was watching, um, I, I was watching the Avs, and one of the comments about Newhook in the last six games is how great Newhook is, but how still as a young player there is some inconsistency in his game. The one thing that veteran guys that know their role fillers will will give you is consistency every minute they're on the ice. You, you know what you're going to get. And there is security as a coach to know I can put a guy in, like you said, for a penalty kill or a key face-off, and I'm going to get a consistent effort, and he's going to be in the right place. I promise you. We're, we're talking about Matt Nieto today. We probably won't talk much about him the rest of the regular season, but I promise you, I guarantee you, there will be a Avalanche playoff win this spring and summer where he plays... A big role in it. You know when I see his name too, I think a Nintendo. Yes, I know you do because that's the way. Look at that. That's spelled like Nintendo. That's the way your mind works. I know. Third down. Jerry Rosberg is out. Broncos not bringing him back. Mm -hmm. Is that a mistake? Uh, It's not a mistake. If he comes back, it won't be a mistake either. If if the new coach, whoever that may be, wants to bring in Jerry Rosberg and say, hey, man, you're our guy. You're going to be our special teams coordinator. You're going to help out with, you know, whatever. Like, that guy's got a ton of experience. And then he's also, you know, like we've talked about, he was had the two times, two two games where he was an interim head coach. Um, so, listen, man, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be upset about that at all. And, you know, I heard the drive talking about this yesterday about a uh, special teams coach. They don't uh, come on, man. That's the only position in coaching, the only position where your hands are on every single player. Now, you know, offensive linemen are just on PAT field goal and some of the defensive linemen are just on PAT field goal block. But you interact with every single player you have. It's like the strength coach. 
you probably have more interaction with every phase of football than any other coach. Like, there's value in that. Yeah, I heard our, our guy D-Mac railing against special teams coaches. Yeah, in, in D-Mac's world, he wouldn't want John Harbaugh or Bill Belichick to be his coach. Right. Both guys got their starts in special teams. Yeah. They're they were both special teams guys. But hey, why would I want John Harbaugh or Bill Belichick to be my coach? They're only special teams guys. Mm-hmm. Look how stupid I am. <sighs> Third and long, we get a punt. The king is here. Thank you, Marquette. Up next, it's mock draft time. And the mock draft season does not officially begin until Mel Kuyper comes out with his first mock. Really? Yes. Ooh. We'll get our hands on that next. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents Schlereth and Evans. Well, it is mock draft season. It has begun. And in my opinion, mock draft season cannot officially begin until... The dawn mm, yes, of yes. the mock drafts. Yes. Mel Kuyper puts out his first one, which he has. Has he now? So, starting with... We don't s- even know the draft order yet. Starting, but. well, we do know that Seattle will pick fifth with our pick. Uh-huh. And he has him uh, taking a quarterback. Will Levis from... Uh, Ken- Levis, excuse me. Will Levis from uh, Kentucky. Kentucky. Kentucky QB. So, you know... You continue to tell me how much they love Drew Locke, and yet they went with Geno all year, and well, that's Mel at least I, according to Mel, they're going to pick a quarterback. Yeah. You think they pick a quarterback? No, I don't think You they, don't? No. Okay. You think, no, that would at, not be at Pete, number five? That would not be Pete's way? At number, at number five, you think they're taking a cornerback? Quarterback. Yeah, that's what I said. I mean, that's what I meant. Quarterback? Yeah. You think they're taking a quarterback? You think D-Mac's running their draft? <laughs> Is that what you think? Hey, listen, you never know. Hey, when your strategy is you never know, how can you go wrong with you never know? I I think they'll take I think they'll take a defensive lineman slash you know edge guy. I mean, you're talking about one of the worst defenses in football. So that's that's where I think they'll go. But go ahead, continue on. So for the Broncos, where currently they'd be picking at twenty nine. He's got him at 29. Oh, yeah. Using the pick. What do you think he has him taking? Just position. No, I'm not expecting no names or anything like that. Okay, position. 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 What does Melly Mel? Is there a uh, a right tackle that that Melly Mel sees them taking? No. Other side of the ball. So it would then it would have to be an edge guy. Correct. Yeah. Isaiah Fosky. Good old Fosky. From Notre Dame. Notre Dame. So let's get another pass rusher. Right. Well, you traded away Bradley Chubb. Right. We've drafted Nick Benito. Nick Benito. Where have you gone, Nick Benito? But let's draft another one. Right. How would you feel if they uh, drafted a defensive lineman slash outside linebacker slash pass rusher instead of an offensive lineman. Uh, you, listen, you never can have enough of those guys. Those guys are, are needed guys. And, you know, a lot of this comes down to, like, what's the best available? Who's the best available dude at that position? Um, 
if there's not a guy that you would look at that's an offensive lineman that has the value of a you know the 29th overall pick or whatever, you know you go the opposite way and say hey, that guy will be around in the second round or third round or fourth or whatever we got. So um, I, I get that 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 makes sense to me. By the way, he only has a handful of offensive linemen going in the first round. Actually, only three. Really, three or four. So yeah. But they need offensive linemen. They do. Do you really think Seattle, like, you, you think they're going to work a deal with Geno? Is Geno their guy? Oof. Like, if he can't pay him 45 million bucks no, a year. No, 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 But he he can't. He can't commit that. He can't. He no. can't get that. He can't ask but for that kind you, of money. Could you get him 30 million a year or something and make it a, you know, a three-year deal with, you know, the voidable aspect of the the last year so you don't have to pay him that you know i mean i'm sure there's some i'm sure there's something they can do that would be you know both make gino um you know i mean set him for life and then also at the same time manage the cap for seattle so they can address their their defensive you know woes so that's the uh, first of the mock many mocks coming out and if uh, if if you are really 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 good at the mock drafts, really good, mm-hmm. you get about half of them right. <laughs> That's the thing. We'll be digesting, devouring mock drafts between now and the draft in uh, late April. Right. And the best of the best get maybe half of them right. Well, it's it's like the draft. The best of the best of the first rounders, about half of them fail. Want to read this uh, text from a KT? As always, we appreciate your text on the Ramoslaw.com text line 303-713-1043. Wow, you guys are really stretching things now. D'Amico Ryan's was a quote leader as a player. Oh, that qualifies you for head coach, please. This is starting to sound like the qualifications of one Nathaniel Hackett. He's got high energy. I mean, this is the dance of the dummies yet again. Try to talk yourself into it. The interview should honestly mean nothing. What have you done in this league? Well, I will say this. I mean, if you're looking at the coordinator you have right now, did not Ejero do more? Did he not do more with less than D'Amico did in San Francisco? Well, in, in all seriousness. Evero inherited a, a very good defense from, from Vic Fangio. It wasn't like the cupboard was bare. Player for player. I'm not saying... Well, no, no, no. I'm, no just, I'm, not, I'm not saying San Fr- Denver's was better than San Francisco's. I'm just saying that it's not like... No, but did he... Evero came okay. in and, and, and took over a defense that was just run roughshod over. Okay, but... All right, so you're not you're not picking up on the... All right, I'm sorry. Okay. You, yeah. Go ahead. Because, you know, you're, you're, you're I'm allowing... Missing, I'm missing nuance here. Yeah, Come you're, on, you're, man. You're missing the nuance. Go ahead, Captain, okay. Captain Nuance. Go okay, ahead. the Captain Nuance is you performed and you were one of the top-rated defenses. You were top one of the top-rated red zone defenses. We were in top-rated scoring defense. We were in top-rated... Uh, you did not have the same personnel. I mean, you think about... You think about Javon Kinlaw is a first rounder. Armstead's a first rounder. Nick Bosa is a first rounder. Fred Warner is the best football, the best, the best middle linebacker in football. Um, um, Jimmy Ward was a first rounder. Uh, 
Traverius Ward is a Pro Bowl player. Uh, Hufanga went to the Pro Bowl, like, all pro player. Like, you got a bunch of players there, but you had an offense that could complement you. You had an offense that could score. You had an offense that, that stayed on the field and eat up, and ate up drives. You had an offense that could run the ball. You had the offense that could create explosive plays. So the complementary football, the complementary nature of, of playing football, you were allowed to be more aggressive. Ivaro uh, did it with an offense that was absolutely putrid. So, so to me, he did a much better job with much less here in Denver than, than D'Amico Ryans did in San Francisco with what I think is better personnel and I know is a damn, a much better offense. Coming up, what's trending? Oh, we got a good one for you. Travis Kelsey singing Journey. Aaron Rodgers has rabbit ears. Bills and Bengals have themselves pretty good rivalry. And you wouldn't believe what disrupted a college basketball game last night. All coming up in What's Trending next. Here's Schlereth and Evans with What's Trending right now. Okay, here we go. It's a very entertaining podcast, the Kelsey podcast. Jason Kelsey and and Travis Kelsey. Jason's more of the straight man, which uh, frees up Travis to sing Journey. Any way you want it, that's the way you get it. Any way you want it. And he then went on to apologize to uh, Chad Henney, who led that uh, long, long touchdown drive, filling in for uh, Patrick Mahomes, threw a touchdown pass to Kelsey, who promptly threw the ball up into the crowd. You got that one, Fever? No? Okay. So, by the way, Mahomes looked good yesterday. He was up. He did his press conference. He was up on a a little podium. Mm -hmm. After he was done, he walked down. Sure. Walked down a step. Walked out the door. Looked fine to me. Yeah, that's not how it works, though. But that's the thing about the high ankle sprain. You can walk around and look like there's no problem. You can even run straight. That's no problem. It's rotational issues. It's like literally almost no pressure at all. You put it on your toe, like your big toe. If your big toe hits the ground kind of like that, the rotational force, dude, it, it'll make you cry. It's so painful. So walking around is not the issue. You you walk without a limp. You can move around without a limp. It, most of the time, at least my experience with the high ankle sprain, even the ankle joint itself doesn't really swell. It's in between the two bones in your leg is where the, the sprain is. And it it literally feels like when you have that rotational force, like your leg is broken. I mean, it's it's ex, it's excruciating. You were a tough yeah. sob during your career. Was was the high ankle sprain almost one of the worst that you had to deal with? It was. Yeah, it was bad. I mean, it was pain, like super painful. Yes. Then again, you didn't have to move around that much. Not like a skilled player. Okay. Ooh. Better stop. You, you can piss me off. Sometimes it's just so easy. Aaron Rodgers, clearly, I I love Aaron, but man, for a dude that carries himself as being so cool, dude's got rabbit ears. So he was on the Pat McAfee show, and McAfee asked just a simple question. Hey, have you made up your mind what you're going to do next year? And Aaron just went off being Aaron. There's heroes and villains in, in sports and entertainment. And I think because of my stance on COVID uh, and 
maybe some other things. I've been cast as the villain, especially the last few years. And so that is the way that, uh, you know, a lot of things I said are often interpreted. I'm not upset about that. I don't feel like a victim in any way. I don't have that mentality. That's fine. I actually embrace that role a little bit. That's how you want to cast me. But um, I did see there were some comments that, you know, I'm only playing for MVPs and yes. stuff like that. Didn't maybe quite see the entire clip of some of the stuff that I said. I don't care about that stuff. It doesn't offend me. I mean, this culture, this woke culture wants to be offended by everything. You just go online and find something you don't agree with. I'm offended. How could you possibly say that? Uh, dude, we just want to know if you're going to play next year. <laughs> what? what the heck? Yeah, he's got, he had a couple. But it doesn't bother me. No. This stuff doesn't bother me. He's got a couple things. As I go things. on an eight-minute soliloquy right. about it, it doesn't bother me. I got a couple things to say. So I'm going to get this off my chest. But just he's got the platform to do sure. it. That's why it's so yeah. popular every Tuesday. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's 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 one of these things. It's you know must see must see internet television. So good for good for hey good for McAfee, good for Rogers. He is not a victim in any way, shape, no. or form. He hardly even hears it. Yeah, I don't hear this stuff. But let me tell and you, verbatim, him what's that? Let, what's let said. me tell you everything that's said about and me that I'm, I want to react and to. And right why now. I'm pissed off. Yeah. Watch out. <laughs> Uh, it would appear that uh, there's a pretty healthy rivalry between the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals as uh, Brandon Bean, the GM of the Bills, uh, took a took a shot at the Bengals when uh, talking about draft picks and how the Bills can uh, go about uh, adding and rebuilding to their team. They right now are on the advantage of a rookie quarterback contract. And they had some lean years without getting too much into their build. And I don't want to suck bad enough to have to get Jamar Chase. Like he's a heck of a talent. I'd love to have him, but you gotta you gotta go through some lean years to do, to do that. And you know they were able to get Burrow one, and I don't remember where Chase was drafted, but it was pretty high. Like, and those guys are on their rookie deals. We're paying Stephon Diggs a pretty hefty number. We're paying Josh Allen a pretty hefty number. So there is the constraints of the cap. Oh. Yeah. Why? Why? Cue the Nancy Kerrigan. Why? By the way, I'm with on, Bills. I'm with I'm with him though. You don't wanna you don't wanna suck so bad that you're drafted in the top five every year. I mean you don't. But they would but they did suck bad enough to draft Josh Allen seven, right? Yeah, the Bills were, were terrible for t- Two decades, right, right? Okay, so stop making it sound like. But he wasn't there. No, I don't He's care. Well, know your team's hi- yeah, but know your team's history. Okay, right? Don't 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 say. Hey, I never want to be as bad as the Bengals. I, I, you were. You guys yeah, right. were. Yeah. You were. Yeah. And uh, one you thing guys I, were a laughing stock. One thing I don't like. I don't like blaming the cap. I don't. I I hate you blame the cap for. Oh, and, and I get it. Three of the quarterbacks in this AFC NFC championship games are on rookie deals. I get that. I understand that. One of them was Mr. Irrelevant, so I don't even know that you can count that. But the bottom line is we can sit there and make excuses. You gotta figure out a way to manage it's not the player's job to manage it, it's your job to manage it, manage it well. So this was an interesting reason to delay a college basketball game between Duquesne. And Loyola Chicago, a 
Uber Eats delivery driver mm-hmm. wandered out onto the court as the announcers Somebody shared. came on the floor on the far side. Looking for an Uber Eats delivery or something there is carrying some McDonald's. <laughs> oh, this has to be one of the all-time uh, I'm greats. actually not kidding. No, I, no, I this think, is the I truth. I think that's what's happening. This guy's in the corner. It looked like he... Maybe, was he going to deliver the, the McDonald's to somebody on the court? So... Yeah, that co- should instantly you should clip that. Pay whatever rights fees you need. <laughs> that should be a commercial. We deliver anywhere, anywhere, anytime. Yeah, Delicious. you got you got to see the video. This guy, I've seen it. Yeah, he, he is. He just walks out onto the court he, and, and he's during looking, the game, and he's looking around like right. you know where he's supposed to do. Now, never mind. How did the guy get into the building? Right. But not only did he get into the building, he was allowed access into the building. But apparently, it was somebody at the video board. So during the course of the game, you see all the the videos turn over mm-hmm. with different advertisements, and they sit right there at, at courtside. So apparently, this guy working courtside had ordered McDonald's from Uber Eats, and the guy walked into the arena and walked right on the. Now that is a dedication to delivery. Well, that's, right. that's a dedication to your job. Well, now, I mean, how many people are going to try to be like a delivery guy, like in the, the game free? Like, oh, I got some Uber Eats, I got to deliver it in here. Oh, hey, go right in. Yeah, you're all good. The greater yeah, I brought Brown, you some fries. The greater Brown once said, he said to me, he goes, hey, um, I think it was one of these years I was, we were covering the final four. Uh-huh. So we went down to the final four. Before I left, he said, hey, you want to sit courtside? Uh, yeah, I'd love to sit courtside. Irv, what do I do? He said, just walk in confidently and say you're the bu- one of the team's bus drivers. And you just sit wherever you want. I'm like, Irv, I don't think they're going to let me just, no, nah, no. Nah. I saw it happen all the time. I said, yeah, back in like the 60s and 70s, you right. could probably get away with it. You're not going to, no, 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 just try it. Needless to say, I did not try it, but uh, oh, yeah, Irv insisted. Do it. Just walk up to, just walk up, take a seat courtside somewhere and just say you're one of the team's bus drivers. Call me Bussy. <laughs> That's what he said. Yeah. He said, say you're the Bussy. You're the Bussy. Wh- whoever, nobody argues with the Bussy. Mm. Nobody ever says no to the bussy. I'm the bussy. Ah, the great Herb Brown. Mm. That is what is uh, trending. Coming up, we'll have the uh, Denver Sports front page for you at uh, 8 o'clock. Adam Schefter will join us just after 8. But uh, a couple things I want to get into. More of making the case against D'Amico Ryans. I want to do that. A little uh, point-counterpoint with you. And have the Nuggets become what we despise most in today's NBA. But can you blame them? That's next. Loosen up those joints and muscles. It's time for your 745 stretch. Here's Schlereth and Evans with the biggest story in Denver sports. Uh, before we get into that, i got to share what was just happening here during the break. Mark Schlereth watching and listening to Mark Schlereth on his phone. All of a sudden, I just happened to look up. I heard your voice. I was like, what and I realized it wasn't you yeah. talking it, but it was you talking on your phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, somebody, uh, was, so my Vandal group, my my guys that I go, you know, on my uh, on my Vandal weekend, Vandal all Beach? the guys, yeah, Vandal Beach, uh, just sent the uh, video of of TD going over two thousand yards, and so there's Mike Shanahan talking, Gary Kubiak talking, Sharp talking, myself talking, and so and so it's like a two minute TikTok presentation. So I just watched that during the break and uh just remember how great I was. <laughs> Sometimes I forget. I gotta have a reminder. By the way, the 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 play he broke the two thousand yards on, 
Like Seattle had played that. We were on a 19 handoff. They knew exactly what we were running. Was Chad Brown playing for Seattle at that, Chad time, Brown. At that time? Uh, yeah, he probably got, yeah, he probably got, yeah, yeah, he, he got stuffed on, on, you know, on occasion. On Miss, miss tackles. No, actually, so I'm lined up against Cortez Kennedy and he just pinches hard outside. He knows the play that's coming. And I easily could have gotten called for holding on that, on that because he had he needed like he needed however many yards and he went over two thousand seven because it was about a nine yard carry or whatever so we were like a two yard short and they played the play perfectly and Cortez Kennedy didn't get it um, and they probably could have called me for holding but they were just like at that point they're like these guys are getting this two thousand regardless so we're just gonna let can't them do go. it the only time in your career you ever held and it wasn't called. No, no, no. Wow. <laughs> a few no. more? There's a few. A few There's more? There's a few more than that. A few more. Yeah. So we await. We continue. It's like it's like waiting for the, the, the puff of white, white smoke from uh, Dove Valley, you uh, know, when you're trying to figure out who the new Pope's going to be. We're right. waiting for the, the puff of white smoke is to announce uh, who the Broncos' next head coach is going to be. It would appear, at least right now, as you just kind of read the tea leaves, that David Shaw and D'Amico Ryans are your uh, your leading favorites, and we talked about Shaw yesterday doing a little point-counterpoint when it comes to uh, D'Amico Ryans. Brought up the fact that he's got a slim, slim, slim coaching background, only only five years of experience. Correct. Uh, just a few years ago, he was a quality control coach in 2017. Now you're talking about him being the head coach of the Broncos in 2023. He'd be another first-time head coach, another... Head coach, first-time head coach with a defensive background, and there seem to be less and less of those in the NFL. Uh, the idea that I've heard is that the Penner Group, the Walton Penner Group, are impressed with the San Francisco model, and that the 49ers model is one that they would like to tap into. And the problem that I have with that, Mark, is that is a model that is based on Kyle Shanahan running everything in that building. You have said it. Orlando Franklin, who spent a year last year in mm-hmm. that building, said Kyle has his fingerprints on everything. Of course. So when you talk about a guy like D'Amico Ryans and you're saying, hey, come be our head coach, come be our leader. Come and run everything, set up everything in that building, run everything during the week, run everything during game day. You're talking about bringing in somebody who works for a guy who controls everything. So how much authority has D'Amico Ryan's even shown that he possesses in this job that he has right now that makes you think, he can run an entire organization and run an entire right. team. Well, I don't. Yeah, that's one of those things you never know until you do it. And um, having watched, you know, like having watched Demigo Ryan stand in front of the team and present, and present what they're going to do. Like, there's no question that he has the ear of his team. That he is very organized and very detailed, and you know, he's got all those things. There, there's no question. And like, I've I've actually watched him present. Like, I've watched his team meeting. So, um, you know, he's, he's, he's definitely got, he's definitely got that. Um, and again, you, you, you don't know until you know, I mean, you don't know. And, 
and what you've what you've taken from Kyle Shanahan and how much you know of the offense and and I'm sure he's like I'm sure he's very versed in all that stuff. I think the other thing that you know when I hear that Greg Penner and the the ownership group want that San Francisco model that to me is okay so what is the what is the San Francisco model like how are you defining that and i would look at that and say okay well there is there is the fact that um it minimizes the quarterback's role so you have to be physical you have to dominate both lines of scrimmage uh you have to be able to run the ball and you have to be able to put put a system together in which you're creating based on your play calling and placed based on the way you call your offense you're creating explosive plays and and you know I've seen Kyle this is this is the crazy thing about about the run game and about what Kyle does I've seen him present to his football team and I've talked to guys where guys would tell me listen man he got up from the team meeting room and said hey man we're going to run this particular run we're going to run it four times during the course of the game or five times or six times. Let's say six times. We're going to run it six times during the course of the game. This play ain't worth a crap. Based upon the defense that we're going to run this against, they are going to get, they're going to hold us to two yards of carry. So we're going to run this play six times. We're going to get 12 yards, but I need you guys to commit to it. I need you guys to do this because if we do this, Kittle, you're going to get an explosive 20 plus yard play. Ayuk, you're going to get a 20-plus yard explosive play off our play action. Um, oh, by the way, Debo Samuel, you're going to get a 20-plus yarder and a touchdown. And uh, and and Kyle Juszczyk, you're going to get two. So we're going to get four explosives for four different guys off of the off of the play action that marries to this particular run. But this run ain't worth a crap. And that's that to me is that to me is calling an offense not calling plays. And so if your if your strategy is our quarterback hasn't played well, we want to minimize him. We just paid 250 million dollars to a quarterback that we want to minimize. And that's what you're what you're asking to get that San Francisco model. I mean, I've talked that's to, a model that's put in place by right. Kyle. Yes. And and D'Amico Ryan's is a defensive but, guy. Right, but D'Amico Ryan's is going to say, "Okay, I I understand that model." Now, can you get an offensive guy that can execute that way, they can game plan that way, and they can actually call an offense as opposed to calling a play because that's what you're going or calling plays. And listen, man, I had a, a sit-down, not a sit-down, but just a stand-around stand 30-minute conversation with the owner of the Niners, Jed York. This is a year ago. And we were talking about maybe, it might have been two years ago, I talked to him on the sideline, this one of the San Francisco game in Atlanta that I did, earlier in the season for another 20 minutes. But but Jed told me when Kyle came in, Kyle came in and, and sat down with ownership, he said the interview process was really hard because Kyle basically said, you guys stink, and we're going to gut this whole thing, and we're going to start from scratch, so there's going to be a couple of lean years. And he goes, it's really hard to hear as an owner that your roster isn't even close to what it needs to be to compete. And then, like, basically being that brutally honest is what sold Jed York on, on Kyle. Your ability to say, your roster stinks. I'm going to turn the whole damn thing over. It's not going to be, it's not, it's going to be painful and you're going to have to deal with it. And I have to have the authority to do it. Like, again, 
do you can you come in here as a guy who's got five years experience and can you be brutally honest about what this organization needs and how and what's your plan what's your plan for a quarterback that they spent two hundred million dollars on? Yeah, and Kyle was brutally honest with John Elway about how you guys stink. I'm sure he which probably, is why I'm sure he probably was. Hey, I like that Vance Joseph guy. <laughs> <laughs> I like, like but that's uh, this is a uh, I'm telling you, this is a twenty Don't tell me that, Kyle. You were a little measly ball boy when I was here. Right. Don't tell me we stink. That's the that's the exact conversation I had with Jed York, their owner. And I, I'm telling you, um he's like, Okay, I'm gonna like I'm gonna I'll I'll bite it. I'll feel the pain. I'll feel the pain for a couple of years. And then they made the trade for Jimmy Garoppolo and they they won like four or five games at Kyle's first year and you know, and the rest is kind of history. They 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 went on to kind of turn over that roster, and it's one of the best rosters in football right now. Adam Schefter will join us in about uh, 13 minutes. We saw the Nuggets lose last night and uh, file that one away under who cares because the Nuggets went into the game prepared to lose. This was a scheduled loss in their mind because playing on a back-to-back, they had played in New Orleans the night before. They sat four starters last night, Jokic, Murray, MPJ, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. And what 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 sucks about it is that it was Milwaukee. It was Giannis. We were all hoping to see Jokic against Giannis. But the Nuggets doing what so many teams do in the NBA these days. They pick their spots to rest guys. Mm-hmm. The infamous load management. And it's something the Nuggets have avoided over the last few years. Jokic himself has avoided it. It's mm-hmm. one... Reason why we've been uh, even more over the top about him is that sure. hey, not only does he do what he does, but he's not like these other guys who are always taking days off. Mm-hmm. Load management has come to the Denver Nuggets. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because we've certainly railed against right. it in the past. It was just a couple of weeks ago when the Lakers came into town, and I'm and others are railing against LeBron James for quote tapping out Soft. and mocking him. Soft, but and now the Nuggets and Jokic are doing it. Yeah, soft. Uh, I I hate it for the league. I hate the load management aspect of the NBA. I think it's ridiculous. I love it for where the Nuggets are right now. I I do. I mean, I, the Nuggets are like my expectations are my expectations. Of NBA Finals. That's where I am right now with this Nuggets team. NBA Finals are bust. I don't like it. I hate it. I hate that this has become such a big deal in the NBA. But I could rail against the clouds all day long or just to understand that this is this is what is going on in today's mm-hmm. NBA. And the teams that view themselves as serious contenders, right. this is the strategy that they take. And so if the Nuggets have now entered the world of load management, well, it means they view themselves as serious contenders. And I suppose right. that's a good thing, if right? If they view themselves that way and they have those type of expectations, guess what? That allows us to have the same expectations. Oh, okay, you guys can rest guys. You guys can have the load management. Okay, then we're expecting, you know, like a second round, you know, second round exit is not good enough. And there should be consequences for that. So if we're in this realm of, of load management, here we are, then... You know, I'm expecting, like I said, I, I I need some finals. Gosh, could you imagine? 
How exciting would that be? I mean, it, it abs are Stanley Cup champions. Then the Nuggets can get to the NBA Finals. And why not both at the same time? Could be. Oh, yeah. Let's make Denver the new Mecca town of right. sports. Oh, yeah. Let's go on the kind of run that Boston had for 20 years. Let's rock. Then the Rockies could be good in April. Can you imagine, <laughs> can you imagine what it would be like around here oh my gosh. to have a 20-year run, and I'm just going to go apples to apples here, in which the Broncos win six Super Bowls, the Rockies win four World Series, <laughs> the Avs won their cup, and the Nuggets win an NBA championship. Bow chicka bow wow. That would equal what Boston had over the course of 20 years. Can you imagine that? No. No, because the Rockies winning four World Series. A lot of times, W. Tonight it didn't happen. Maybe we'd have to move it around. Like, yeah. Four, six Broncos Super Bowl, six Stanley Cups, four Super Bowls, one NBA final, one World Series. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that'd be, that's that'd be some tall cotton around here. Yeah. And guess what? That would make everybody in the country say, God, Denver sports fans are the worst. Mm-hmm. They're so arrogant. They're so insufferable. And I'm here for that. And I'm here for that. Um, let, let's do it. Let, let's test that theory. I would love, I would love I to would, be the wor- I, I would, would love, love to be the country's most hated fan base. Wouldn't it be great? Yes. I would love that to test that theory. That would be fantastic.